0: People tell me that I'm crazy. I tell them that's exactly it. I've got reasons for my absence. People tell me that I'm burnout. I tell them I'm not like... Hi, guys. Welcome back to the I Love You So Much podcast. I am your host, Kinzie Elizabeth. And I am just going to be very honest and say, I have just not had the best morning. If you guys watch my vlogs and Vlogmas... I kind of talk about it a little bit in a vlog that's being posted. Actually, I think today, as you guys are hearing this episode, but sometimes the holiday season, I've mentioned this before, can be hard. It can bring out a lot of heightened emotions. And for some reason, I'm just like really comparing myself this week. And comparison has never really been something I've struggled with until I started having all of like the symptoms of PMDD and all that. I actually should have an expert on the podcast to talk about PMDD Anyways, besides the fact, I feel like I've been really hard on myself in comparing myself and thinking, you know, oh, maybe I'm boring now. I like live in Texas. I don't leave my house. I'm not this like youtube clickbait. Like I don't, I don't care about drama. I don't care about like almost validating people based off their like follower account. I don't know. I've just been in like a weird mood and I just feel like I've kind of just been in a weird space the past like 12 hours. And I know a lot of that is accredited, honestly, pretty much all of it to PMDD, but also I just wanted to be real and let you guys know that I have not had the best morning. I have been really hard on myself. I just cried for like an hour, but here we are. I'm going to tell you guys how I'm going to make my day better because I'm sure a lot of you guys listening to this have probably not had the best day either. I hope that you guys all have had the best day ever, but you know, we're humans. We are people with real emotions. It's important to feel Feel to heal, you know, guys. I did spend my morning at my dad's. I went outside to go to his backyard, and we had coffee. We like sit far apart from each other. Um, he puts the fireplace on. We had the news on, and I actually did some work on my laptop out there earlier this morning, and that was actually a nice experience. I was feeling good at that point, just wearing like cozy clothes. I really thought today was going to be a great day, and then really, it's when I got back home that things just went downhill. Okay. The first thing I want to say is it is okay to have a bad day. It is okay to not feel the best. It is okay to not be this perfect human being who perfectly knows how to handle all emotions, how to handle certain feelings. And, you know, we are human. We're learning. That's part of the process. And it is totally fine to have a bad day. You know, your emotions are valid. Like something a mentor told me years ago that will always stick with me is your feelings are valid, but they're not always true. So sometimes I don't even like saying things out loud that I'm feeling just because I know it's not true, but it is how I'm feeling. And I've been able to work through a lot of that in therapy and, you know, having a healthy space where I can go weekly to talk about something. So anyways, I let myself feel the feelings and today, just because I'm a little bit busier, I don't really have the day to just have a bad day. I let myself feel the feelings and I am going to make today better. So something that always makes me feel better is cleaning. I don't really know why. I'm sure there's some sort of science behind this because I don't understand why that's a thing. Cleaning makes me feel so much better. I'm going to put on The Holiday, which is my all time favorite movie. Guys, my outfit right now is very Cameron Diaz from The Holiday, which is all I could ever aspire to be. That's my favorite movie, my favorite character in any movie. I just absolutely love and adore her. And my outfit is very Cameron Diaz right now. So I'm feeling really good about it. Also, speaking of Cameron Diaz, you guys would be very proud of me because this weekend I went and I got one of her wines from the grocery store. I mean, nothing too crazy, but her and Catherine Powers came out with a brand of clean wines. I'm not the biggest drinker in the world. okay, And I'm not a wine drinker. So I wouldn't be able to give myself any sort of credit as far as giving a review. You know what I mean? I feel like people who drink wine and know wine, like really know things. I personally liked it. I got the white wine. I thought it was good. 10 out of 10. Anything for Cameron Diaz. Okay. Anyways, the last thing I'm going to do is cook my favorite soup. One of my really good friends is coming over tonight and I just think it's going to be really good. So I am giving myself grace. I am not going to be hard on myself for feeling my feelings, and I'm going to make today better. Anyways, guys, getting into a little bit of housekeeping. The first thing is that I'm currently giving away a $250 Visa gift card to one of you. All you have to do to enter is follow my Instagram at Kinsey Elizabeth, follow ILWise and podcast on Instagram, and then go comment on my photo that I posted on Instagram. It's just a swipe through. It's me in front of a fence and you comment the best thing that happened to you in 2020. And then you tag three friends, then you're entered to win. And I will announce the winner on Monday. As always, make sure you join the Facebook group. My gift guides are on my like to know it. Vlogmas is going on. I've got new content on YouTube every single day. I have been slacking a little bit on the newsletters. For those of you who have been DMing me, I'm so sorry. I've just been so busy, but I am locking down on it this next week and we will be back in business. So don't even worry about it, guys. Today's episode, I'm really excited for. I think a lot of you guys are really going to enjoy it. We have Amber of Culture Hype. I loved her. I thought this episode was really insightful, very valuable Amber, the president and executive publicist of Culture Hype, has spent the last 10 years pushing the envelope of public relations. Her real-breaking approach bucks tradition every step of the way, ensuring her clients stand out from the crowd. Amber is a longtime advocate of Texas game changers who began her career by shining an international spotlight on the state's vibrant arts and culture scene. With her industry knowledge and unstoppable work ethic, she's landed clients in top media like Forbes... Wall Street Journal, Wired, The New York Times, Refinery29, Texas Monthly, Jimmy Kimmel Live, and BuzzFeed. In addition to her work with local creatives, Amber now partners with national brands using her killer connections to create widespread buzz. She is a recipient of numerous industry awards. Amber also heads two additional full-time businesses. We told you she's a hustler, including DFW Style Daily and the historic Longhorn Ballroom live music venue. Amber believes good PR is about more than selling a story. It's about building from the ground up and she's just getting started. Anyways, I really wanted to bring Amber on to the podcast because she is from Texas and she still lives here. She went to college here. You guys will hear all about it in the podcast, but I am constantly getting messages from you guys about how you live in maybe a state or a city that you don't feel like is necessarily creative or allowing you to kind of go in the industry that you want and amber talks about that we talk about texas and how she's been able to build this career for herself and i just thought it was really really cool so i hope you guys enjoy this episode and let's welcome amber to the podcast hello (laughs) hi how are you i'm doing good how about you good we've just been talking a lot about the 90s this morning and just comfort watches so it's really put me in a good mood
1: Yes, I have been binging lots of things from back in the day. Actually, last week I watched uh, mostly Halloween movies, like ridiculous things like Teaching Mrs. Tingle and like stuff from back in the day or Halloween H2O with uh, Josh Hartnett in it.
0: (laughs) Okay, guys, a quick break to talk about our sponsor, StoryWorth. For many of us, the holidays are going to look very different this year. Family and friend reunions might not be the same, but that shouldn't stop us from feeling close. So that's why I'm giving my loved ones the most meaningful gift this year, a chance to tell their story and share memories using StoryWorth. I don't know about you guys, but my dad is so sentimental. Like I will write him a letter and he will call me sobbing. So I knew that this would be the perfect gift for him because it's very personal. And that's what I love so much about gift giving is making it personal. So StoryWorth is an online service that helps your loved ones share stories through thought provoking questions about their memories and personal thoughts. It's a fun new way to engage with family, especially when you can't see them in person. So every week, StoryWorth emails your family members different story prompts, questions you've never thought to ask, like what's a small decision you made that ended up having a really big impact on your life? And if you could see into the future, what would you want to find out? Reading the weekly stories is fun and makes your family feel close, even when you're not together. After one year, Storyworth will compile all of your stories, including photos, into a beautiful keepsake book that is shipped for free. So give your loved ones the gift of spending time together wherever they live with Storyworth. Get started right away without the need for shipping by going to Storyworth.com. I love you. You get ten dollars off your first purchase. That is Storyworth.com. I love you for ten dollars off. I'm Arielle Laurie, host of the Blonde Files podcast, where every Wednesday I cover all things
1: wellness. After nearly dying from drugs and alcohol six years ago, I've been on a mission to live my best, most fulfilled life, and I'm sharing everything with you. From how to achieve optimal health, well-being, and fulfillment, to the best beauty tips and even cosmetic procedures, I cover it all with raw, candid
0: conversations with experts and inspirational guests. Make sure to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. I watched Halloween Town two nights ago, and I will always love Halloween Town just because it's Halloween Town, but it was like so bad. (laughs) Like so bad. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, I used to think that this was a masterpiece, you know? Well, and now you look back at
1: it and you're like, this is definitely not. As good as I thought it was. I actually am watching One Tree Hill for the first time ever because when I was growing up, I danced like five to seven days a week and I didn't have time to watch TV. Uh And my interns have been commenting on my post. If I'm watching One Tree Hill, they're like, oh my God, I can't believe you've never seen this show. That's a really bad one that I've been watching
0: lately. That's one of my (laughs) favorite shows ever. And it is not good, especially the first season. That is tough. What is the
1: season where I feel like after the... The shooter situation, it just goes like real haywire. And everything, and everything just goes crazy. And you're like, how many things are they going to throw at these poor characters? And it's Mm -hmm. just wild.
0: (laughs) I, okay, up until probably a year or two ago, I didn't realize that Sophia Bush and Chad Michael Murray got married.
1: (laughs) And the whole. That's like a big old drama. I went down a rabbit hole looking at that and like. She was saying that she got pressured by the producers to marry him.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. But also he like cheated with Paris Hilton apparently or something like that. Oh my God. That was like what I read online and saw everywhere. But it's so weird because... I watched the entire series not knowing that. And then I look back and I would like, I'll go back at the season and figure out if they were together or not. And they're like together on the show, but literally in the middle of a divorce. Oh, that's like me and Wiki.
1: I'm like, hmm, when did they break up? When is this happening? No, but I think on One Tree Hill, there was a moment where I was texting my work wife, Wendy, because we were always like, we keep texting each other back and forth about what we're watching and just like laughing at each other because she's like real late to the tie-dye phase, for example, oh, yes. like she just started. I was texting her about why did we love Chad Michael Murray? Like his mustache, like his little like goatee situation is so embarrassing. Like, like it's then so you're... like blonde and like not even there. And it's yes. just like... like a caterpillar. <laughs> yeah,
0: It's just so weird. It, they're so comforting, especially when 2020 has been quite the year. OK, let's go into hot seat. What is your best purchase you've made under $100 in the past six months? My best purchase
1: is definitely also 90s. I had actually found this mood ring at Beatnik, which is like a local shop around here, and it sold out. And I was so sad. This is like a year ago because it reminded me of my childhood. And so I was like going down an Etsy rabbit hole at the beginning of COVID. And one of the first things I like bought myself was a mood ring. That's a pinky ring. That's gold. (laughs) That was made in Alaska. It took forever to get, get to me, but I love it. And I'm pretty sure it is only blue. Like it has a guide, but it's blue every day I wear it. So who knows if what it works. What does blue mean? What is it? Uh, blue is supposed to mean passionate. So maybe that is actually the case, but it's just funny. Cause I'll like look at the ring and see if it'll change on me. And it's always blue.
0: That's so cute. Though. <laughs> I love that. Okay. Do you want to do, just kind of introduce yourself yeah. and give a little background?
1: Yeah. So I'm Amber LaFrance. I am the president of Culture Hype, which is a marketing and PR agency here in Dallas. I started this company almost eight years ago when I was 23. So I was your age. I actually had like a very unconventional way that I became a boss, which was that like I started the company at first with my internship supervisor and I ended up taking it over after a year and kind of like rebranding it and like making it into what I always wanted it to be, which was an agency focused on not just creatives, but like creative things. So like people who are more corporate clients doing things a little bit differently and not thinking of it, marketing and PR as stuffy as it usually is, especially here in Dallas. So that's kind of what I do. I've been in marketing and PR for 12 years now, Uh, but I started at an agency that was very similar to mine in Austin. That's very like lifestyle music, art, fashion, but I got into PR because I loved music and that was like my jam.
0: I love that. You went to Texas State, right? Mm -hmm. I studied marketing
1: and business and then ended up doing PR like on the job.
0: How was your experience at Texas State?
1: It was hard. (laughs) I really wish my supervisor did not warn me about how much math there was and I'm not good at math at all. So I took like an extra lap. I was like there for an extra year trying to like retake all these statistics classes I was horrible about so I should have done PR from the beginning because I was always better at writing, but I put myself through school. So I was like, not going to change it. Once I was in my friends were always like in Comdez and like the arts and everyone I dated was always in that building. And I would go in that building and it was so like, relaxing and fun and everyone's excited. And my building was like people like on Adderall or like Red Bull, like just studying (sighs) in the corner, like with this intense look on their face. It was very different. I really liked entrepreneurship classes and then like marketing research, like how people behave. But I never thought I was going to use entrepreneurship classes. Like I did not intend on being an entrepreneur.
0: (laughs) I feel like that's so many people's stories. So like I either didn't want to be an entrepreneur or I had no idea that that was kind of what I would stumble across and people just end up in that space.
1: I guess I grew up like my dad has always been an entrepreneur. And so I grew up in a very like entrepreneurial environment. He worked in like for a software company one time and he ended up getting fired because he started a business on the side. Like that's my dad. I've been working for him since I was like six, like from like sewing things for his company. So he's kind of like always employed me, which is weird because my brothers never got employed. So I was always motivated by money to buy clothes. I think it just happened. I kind of just followed like what felt good to me, which was like what I was doing in Austin at the other agency called Juice. And I really loved it. And I ended up just kind of like following that. I didn't want to give that up. So when I moved back here, I started my own thing. And then we got so busy that I ended up fully focusing on Culture Hype. So it wasn't like intended at all. And honestly, when I started the agency with my internship supervisor, Jared, he left and I was like terrified. He was like, okay, well, I'm going to go back into my dad's financial business and like you can do whatever you want with it. And I was like, uh, and I was dating this guy at the time. Someone asked me this yesterday, actually, because I was doing intern interviews. They're like, what's the moment like you knew you had to do this as an entrepreneur And I remember I was like at my door and I had just found out like this big news. And I was like, oh, God, do I want to do this? I was always kind of behind the scenes compared to him. And the guy I was dating at the time was like, well, can you just get a regular marketing job? And at that moment, I was like, first of all, you're dumped. (laughs) Second of all, no. And I decided to like rebrand it and hire my first employee and just go for it.
0: All right, guys, we are in the holiday season right now. And I thought I was feeling bad just from this year, But Thanksgiving really did me dirty. I can't imagine going through Christmas and New Year's without having Lauren from the sorority nutritionist teach me her simple tricks because I actually feel good going through the holidays. Food right now, guys, it's so fun, but it just makes me really tired and just not feeling my best. So Lauren has been quite a big help. We all know we are home now more than ever and making so many Christmas cookies. I have been baking some pies and drinking wine. The thought of starting a diet this time of year side. All the stress from the holidays and just 2020 just doesn't sound appealing to me. That's why I'm so excited to tell you about the membership Lauren recently came out with for her Fit Babe community, because it is literally helping so many women just like you actually lose weight instead of gain all this weight and just kind of feel really sluggish around the holiday season. 2021 is a couple weeks away. And I know you're probably thinking new year, new me. If you are contemplating what new diet you're going to try in January, please first check out what Lauren has to offer because we all know diets suck and honestly, they don't really work. Rather than you losing and gaining, losing and gaining, losing and gaining the same five pounds over and over again in January, Lauren will literally show you how to lose weight each week and feel your best without wasting your time. Head to the slash ILYSM and enter the code ILYSM to get started today. So let's talk about like your first day, basically on your own at that point. What was that like Like when you woke up and you went into wherever you were working, if you're working from home, went to the office, like, were you terrified? Were you excited? Like, how, how did that feel?
1: I was excited, but also terrified. I am not like a natural, like outgoing person. I like to think of myself as like an introverted extrovert. I feel like I was never like the face of it. Like my business partner at the time, he would make me go to events and like get 10 business cards because he knew I was like not wanting to walk up to people and just talk to them. (laughs) And so after watching him for a while, he's very like charismatic and like outgoing. I just decided I was like, okay, well, this is not going to work unless I like really put myself out there. I don't think anyone had any idea what I was doing anyway. I was like the PR power behind all of our events. And he was like the shiny event planner who was like the face of the company it was scary for sure. I mean, I was working from home. I worked from home until honestly last year and I decided I was going to hire my first employee, which was like this girl who I met in the line at a, in the drink line at a party at walking Road station. They used to have these fashion events and she would not stop inviting me to coffee. She was like persistent and would not stop. And so I was like, she would be a great publicist. So she was my first employee. And I felt better, better after like finding someone to kind of work with me on that. But it was terrifying. I mean, honestly, for years, I've like pushed myself to like be more like about Amber and the face of the company. And then there was one year, which was honestly just a few years ago, where I felt like I hadn't pushed myself enough. And there was a span of three months where like I got featured on this huge feature on a TV station here. And then I got asked to do like two speaking gigs and I won two awards And I was like, okay, maybe I like just need to like lean into it.
0: Yeah, that's (laughs) actually a conversation I've had with a lot of founders of companies. I was talking recently with Trinity, who's the co-founder and CEO of Gold. And she was just saying for the longest time, because she's kind of more introverted, that it was always kind of a battle in her mind if she wanted to be more of the face of the company or not especially in a time when, you know, female entrepreneurs are like hot right now, you know, and a lot of brands, you know, the founders and I, Ali Webb and I were talking about this too. Like I feel more connected to companies when I know the founders and I have noticed that pattern over time. But what you were talking about with like an, being an introverted extrovert and having a job that really deals with people and you have to kind of network and really put yourself out there, I know you briefly touched on it, but how do you handle that to this day? Like, is it still something that you kind of struggle with or have you gotten kind of over that hump?
1: I definitely still struggle with it. Speaking even is not like a natural thing to me. So like I have like a huge, in classes in college, I absolutely bombed all my like speeches and all my class presentations because I would get so nervous. That time frame too, where like things kept coming to me, like my hard work was paying off. I just made myself speak. Like, I think I did like, 10 or 12 speaking gigs that year and I just kept forcing myself to do it. <laughs> so it doesn't come naturally to me. I feel like I'm more relatable and I'll be honest with people. Like if I do a speaking gig, I'm going to tell them about like, you know, how I actually ended up back in Dallas because I got bed bugs and I wasn't supposed to stay here, but I ended up doing that. <laughs> but I think they appreciate like the refreshing perspective. I think it was really hard. Honestly, part of it was not just that I was like introverted, but like I was 23 I don't look like everyone from Dallas. I had already grown up like in Plano where like I didn't necessarily fit in. And so that was like going on. And I'm like networking with people who are like literally like the parents of the people who like tormented me in high school, Yep. Uh, <laughs> yep. which is a really weird feeling. But I think like it was hard as a 23 year old boss. And like, I remember I wore a lot of suits. Like I've been just like leaning more into my fashion over the years and just like wearing whatever I want. But I didn't really realize that like what made me unique as like a business owner and like a girl boss is like what is actually like my secret weapon and why we're successful is because like I'm different and I'm not like everyone else. Um, And I know how to talk to creatives and stuff like that. But I don't think when I started the girl boss trend was not really there. So like me navigating this like old white dude scene, like in Dallas was really strange yeah. <laughs> as a 23 year old. But I think, I mean, I made a lot of honestly, a lot of like great female connections, like behind the scenes, especially in the fashion scene that I still work with today. Like years later, I was telling someone yesterday, like That my friend at like Fig, the market here, like we've hired each other over the years, like no matter where we've been. And that's kind of a lot of like what I had early on is like strong, like female, like connections behind the scenes.
0: All right, guys, a quick break to talk about our sponsor thread wallets. I recently posted a haul on my YouTube channel. If you guys want to see me haul some of their products, but I absolutely love them. They've been really helpful. As you guys know, I've been spending a lot of time with my niece lately and she's five. So she's always crawling on me. I'm normally carrying her carrying around a big purse all day is really not ideal for those times, right? Honestly, even just for my evening walks running errands, things like that. I don't want to carry around a huge purse. Okay. So that is why all of my thread wallets products have really, really come in handy. I love my lip balm holder. I love the wallet. I use my little card case. All the time. Even the little lanyard that's like animal print, I'm giving that to so many people for Christmas because I think it's so cute. Anyways, it just really comes in handy and it's made my life a lot easier when I'm on the go. It's very functional, but they're also cute. Just because they're practical doesn't mean they have to be ugly. You know what I mean? So, Thread Wallets is redefining the way you carry you. With their wallets, lanyards, lip balm holders, which is the best thing ever, and crossbody bags, they're mixing functionality and expression to create the perfect extension of who you are. On the shelf, the hook, in your bag or pocket, Thread Wallets will hold it together while you do your thing. Get free shipping on any purchase of $35 or more. Just go to threadwallets.com slash discount slash Kinsey15 to get 15% off your first purchase. That's threadwallets.com slash discount slash Kinsey15 for a 15% off your first purchase. All right, guys, let's get back to the episode. Let's talk a little bit about the Dallas creative scene. There is such a creative scene here, but I feel like, especially even just being like living in LA for the past five years, every time I'd come back, I'm like, oh my gosh, I have, honestly, I think a lot of the people I know here are actually a lot more creative than the people that I knew in LA, but there wasn't creative agencies that Mm -hmm. were actually creative, Yeah, you know, where it's like, that's so saturated for like lack of a better word in LA, but like you guys really are some of the first in the space, if not the first in the space here, that's actually like doing it well. So do you feel like that really helped you and you kind of were able to get a lot of clients and find people or do you feel like it was hard because people didn't really see your vision in a place where it's like old white guys, in Dallas? (laughs) you know?
1: Yeah. Honestly, I think my stubbornness worked really well for me. And that's like, you know, people say being stubborn is bad, but I feel like that's something that's really helped me throughout my career. I'm stubborn and I'm going to try things. And if I think it's going to work, I'll like try it and make it work for me. And honestly, I just didn't give up. I, I think there have been some agencies that have started, but they couldn't navigate it um, and make it work. I think that PR agencies and even marketing agencies, and we do both, which is like also unique, they don't even touch the creative space for the most part. Everyone's like Dallas is so divided and it there's so much talent here, but it's either like you're at the top or you're like underground mm-hmm. and there's no in between. And usually agencies only focus on the top. And that's kind of what makes us a little different too, is like, I go to Diff. I go to all the fashion charity events. I'm on the board of fashion group international, which is like the OG fashion scene people. But I also produce like hip hop events and do like weird stuff behind the scenes. I feel like the creative scene is so strong here. And I feel like it's even stronger than oversaturated markets, even like Austin, for example, because people have to like, they have such a clear brand direction and they like try really hard to stand out and it's because people like overlook Dallas as a creative scene like I read I actually ended up networking with this guy and getting some placements in Forbes because he kept writing he's from New York and he kept writing about Dallas as like this one article was called like Dallas the city you'd love to hate that makes all your favorite songs and it was about like how overlooked the scene is here and how it's actually like there's a lot of like talent here but also like I think what's missing is agencies like ours because we don't have the infrastructure for the music scene or even the art scene that we need. A lot of it's like recording studios and production, but it's not like people to help with like marketing and stuff like that. I kind of just like, didn't give up on that part. That's what I always wanted to do. Even though I do food and beverage and, you know, I do hospitality and I always like kind of put my fun, like spin on those projects but I got into this because I love music and I love working with creatives. And so whether I'm like helping a creative get booked by a hospitality client or like kind of mixing the two together, I feel like the reason why we've been successful in that space is just because I never gave up. I didn't think that there would be a lot of money in it, which is like not why I got into it. You kind of just have to like keep going and really like show your worth. I think what was hard at first is that there was no one doing what I was doing here. Uh, And so it took a lot of educating, especially in the music space. Like, what is PR? Why do you need it? How much does it cost? So I really had to like get in there and network. And like, it's a very personal relationship, I think, a publicist and like
0: a creative. I love Dallas. Like, it's my favorite place to be. It's my favorite city. It's not just because I grew up here. I mean, I'm sure that has something to do with it. But the city of Dallas itself... I love even the amount of texts I receive a day from people, specifically in LA, because you know everyone from California is like trying to move to Texas. Of people being like, "Hey, what neighborhood should I look at?" I think the amount of business I've given my realtor this year is unlike anything else. But it really is such a great city. There's so much going on, and I love the people. It's a great
1: city for women entrepreneurs too. Like it's one of the top cities for entrepreneurship in general, but like female entrepreneurs, which I found interesting over the last few years that it like became a hub for us, but there's, there's so much money here. And the reason why I like, and I honestly like came back here kicking and screaming, like after growing up in Plano and thinking that like Dallas is Plano and then like living in Austin and started my career, I did not want to come back here because I assumed it was all like Plano. And I didn't really realize like how diverse and like cool and interesting the culture was here, which is ironic because now I'm like a big microphone for that culture. But I honestly, my boyfriend lives in Austin and I've told him, I'm like, oh, I like Dallas better. Like it's less noise, less traffic. It's much better for networking. Like it's you know, if you go to an event here, someone's going to be business minded. It's very direct. And like when you're in places like Austin, sometimes it's so like low key. And while I love it, it's very hard to network. I found, and everyone's trying to go for the same types of jobs. I feel like Dallas, you can kind of like stand out and really like set your mark.
0: (laughs) It's also great because I mean, you know, Austin has so much tech and TikTok and everything. And it's nice to have that be a three hour drive away and not actually live it. I didn't realize that it was one of the top places for female entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. I
1: think I forget where I read that, but I read that a year or two ago. Um, And I think it's because like the capital that's available here, like there are so many resources and because it's a lot less expensive than most places to live. But I'm excited to see like new businesses, you know, popping up that are not obviously the same as ours, but are like creative and cool. And like people are going for it because I did not see any of that for years. I like to joke that I'm like helping launch new women into the music scene, especially here, because it's such a boys club. And like even people like our booking agency partner used to work for me and now she has her own agency. And so that's another girl in the boys club. So it's just nice to have like people doing their thing, especially women.
0: (laughs) Yeah, especially Can you explain what exactly it is that you guys do and the difference between PR and marketing agencies?
1: Yeah. So this is always like a conundrum and I always have a challenge explaining, even though it's what I do. PR is so confusing. And I was almost going to joke with you, like at the beginning, like you could just ask like random, maybe dumb questions about PR and they'd probably be questions that like my... Clients will ask me like two years after working with me. Like (laughs) it's so confusing. So like PR and marketing, I guess the difference is marketing, I feel like can be many different avenues that could be like social media, it could be SEO, it could be like pay for click marketing. We really stay away from any like traditional digital marketing. We do social media under our umbrella. Um, And then we do like a lot of experiential marketing, which is like cool events that are really like unique to our client. And then PR is traditionally like building buzz slash like crafting your client's message through like a press release and like working with reporters and getting them on the news. I like to say it's like making people famous, but it's also like crafting like what what they want people to say about them. So like, for example, if you're a musician and you don't have a publicist and you like just send your album to someone they review it. I've had this happen where they get put in the wrong genre and then like every single press outlet puts them in that genre like forever. And I have to like correct it. So it's also like gaining awareness, but like what you want to be known as. We kind of mix the two, which no one does here, which no one has tackled like PR and marketing, probably because it's like a whole animal, but that's just what I love to do. But every single like event or like initiative that we create or like cool buzzworthy like project we're working on with clients. I think of that with PR in mind. So I'm like, what would people write about? What would be authentic to like you and your brand? We've done like really intimate like listening parties for artists or like the W Hotel, for example, wanted to show that they support LGBT issues and so we planned like a series of programs for them, but all of that was like with storytelling and PR in mind. So it's kind of like we merge it together, but they're two very separate things, but That being said, even after people work for me or with me for quite a while, they still don't fully understand like that, like you can't pay for that placement. You have to like pay me to convince someone to hopefully pay attention to and write like an editorial feature on you. (laughs) Yeah.
0: It is such a kind of a tricky thing. It's a hard thing to understand. I get it more because I'm like more in the space. But I think about even in um, I'm like still in college. Actually, this is my last class. In the graduate. <laughs> but actually, my degree is business administration. And I so relate to you on not just wanting to change it. And I'm also very stubborn. And it's like, I just <laughs> didn't want to add on to school. I already had like a few classes extra to take oh, yeah. this semester. I had no interest. And I'm like, not. I used to be a math person. I'm not a math person. Update. Absolutely I'm so not.
1: bad. I'm pretty sure my accounting professor passed me because he felt bad for me. Yeah. And that's probably why I have my, I didn't have to take them all over again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, but there's so many people who, if I'm in a marketing class or like a PR type class, people literally in our discussion posts are like, I'm still kind of confused on what this is in college with oh, a yeah. like degree, you know?
1: I've had literally, I had an intern two semesters ago who did not To be honest, he was more on the graphic design design side, but he ended up hiring us as like his publicist for his music career. And he still did not understand. And it's funny, me and my work wife, Wendy, are always laughing about how people are like, how is your promotions job? Or like, are you sure? Like our parents are like, so do you paid for that placement? Right. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, and even today I was like frustrated with one of my clients because I'm like, look, no matter how much I care about your project, there are so many factors that could result in you having coverage or not having coverage. And it's like a mixture of, you know, it being really buzzworthy, which is why I plan like all those cool events and kind of try to stack the cards in my favor early on. But like, even if I had like, and I have had this happen before, like a best friend who's a reporter there, I can't make them write about you. Like (laughs) they can still be like, no, I'm not into that. Please stop sending it to me. Cause there's editorial, integrity which I think is hard for people to understand so it's like not like an advertisement it's like you're trying to like sway someone's opinion and like get them to write about you but you have to hire someone with relationships and even those relationships sometimes aren't enough so it's like you're kind of hiring us to like schmooze people and like twist their arm on on your behalf but like sometimes it just doesn't work.
0: And you made (laughs) most of these relationships just through networking, parties, friend of a friend type things, right? So
1: I went to a lot of events uh, and I still, I mean, not now, but I go to a lot of events to network. But even when I worked for that agency in Austin, I had to build my entire like press list from scratch. So like I did all of that without a database and I did it all by like Googling things online and finding the reporter and having to build a relationship like from scratch. And honestly, most of the time, like you've never met the reporter in most instances. A lot of my close, like, reporter friends here now are kind of like my age and we've come up together. There was one reporter I worked with for like seven years and I finally met him. Or there's like a reporter who was totally horrible to me uh, when I was like interning and working for that other agency, but she's like the main art reporter at the main paper. And so I had to convince her to like me and it, I eventually did, but it took like four years. Dang. How did you do <laughs> that? Did you just like, I just kept at it. And like, she would be like, no one cares about you. She would literally say things like, no one cares about your event. And I would be like, and I'd ask my boss and she'd be like, can't go around her. So you have to find a way. Oh my <laughs> so gosh. I liked to joke that I thought her icy heart eventually, <laughs> but eventually. you have to be really persistent. But also I think Being successful at like marketing and PR, you have to like know people and know like what would annoy them? Like they're a human. They're not just like, it's not a transaction. It's like, what would annoy them? What are they interested in? Did you do your research? And like they're people. So you can't follow up with them every single day. Like I have a TV friend who's like, yeah, I had to blacklist this publicist because she followed up with me every
0: day. And I was like, what? Like, is that something you would like? You people don't stop and think about that. I think about that too. I get pitched things like 24 seven from people, especially guests with the podcast. When I started the podcast, which has been like one of my many things that I do, I don't think I went in realizing like how normal that was either. And that people just get pitched for podcasts, which is great. Cause I find a lot of great guests. There are people who email and follow up every single day. And I'm also like a lot of different factors as to why I wouldn't, I'm like, I either don't want the person on my podcast or I batch record. And so I'm like, this isn't going to see the light of day for three months. Like there's so much, so many things and it's like, you can politely yeah. decline. Well, and then they... you don't have
1: time to respond to all of them. Yeah. And honestly, like I've been on both sides cause I used to own a fashion blog as well. And I think it's really helpful to think about it like, as like, what would bother you and what would annoy you? I mean, I, I straight up had like my boss in Austin, be like, Hey, follow up with this person. Like she repeatedly tell me to follow up with this one reporter that I knew was an interest in the story, but he wouldn't tell me. And I would follow up with him like a third of the time she told me to, cause I was like, mm, that would really annoy me. Mm-hmm. So I think that's something like people don't think about it. They're like, Oh, I'm trying to do my job and they're really aggressive. And sometimes that's the problem with clients too. You're like, you know, you really have to like treat them like humans and think yeah. about like, what do they have going on right now?
0: And people talk, like I'll be at dinner with friends. We all are kind of in the same space and someone will mention something. We're like, wait, you get those emails too. And we all talk about it. So it's like everyone knows. And then it's a bad reputation, you know? Oh, it's a
1: tiny, tiny, tiny scene. And I always tell people who work for me, I'm like, look, like this could be the best internship. It could be an internship where I like everyone will forever ask me about you working for me. Just expect it. It's just a small scene like. I think people just forget that there's like a human behind it. You know what I mean?
0: Mm -hmm. What do you (laughs) normally do? It's so true. They're like real people. As far as interns go, how many interns do you normally keep? And like, what are their kind of like job roles? Before
1: COVID, I had like six employees and four interns. And right now we have more intern staff than we have employees. But um, I've always had interns because like I got so much from my internships my internship in Austin turned into my career. I didn't even know what PR was and she gave me a chance. And then my second internship ended up me starting this agency. So I love like mentoring people and working with them. So I make that a big part of like what we do, but I usually have three to, I mean, I've had six. I feel like five is like on the edge of too many interns. Six was way too many, but they, now they work in like content or PR and marketing. I kind of split up their duties And when we're super busy, sometimes I have a photo intern and that's like their only job is taking photos of everything, but they get really like hands-on experience. Like they might do media pitching with me. They might take photos for like a corporate client, like the W, like they get a lot of experience and I expect a lot from them, which is the challenging part about interns is that like you want to teach them, but also there can be challenges because, you know, you're actually having them work on projects and not just having them get coffee. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Okay, let's end this off on just kind of who do you think in Dallas, it could be brands, people, music, whatever. Who do you think is like, or who do you think are people that are the ones to watch right now?
1: I would say, so if it comes to like art, we have this client. Honestly, if he wasn't my client, I would probably say the same thing. He's this artist, painter actually, named Jeremiah Onafade. He's from Nigeria. Went to SMU and UNT, lives here now and he is amazing and he like sought me out and I had no, he has a very thick like Nigerian accent. And I was like, who is this guy? Cause sometimes I get very like interesting client inquiries from people. <laughs> and I started talking to him and realized he, he has a very clear vision of what he wants to do. All of his art is about like going through, um, a religious war in Nigeria and like watching people get killed and like how he's actually like, become the most positive person I know. Like, we all love him. We pulled off a socially distanced art show that we had to turn into that that was, like, partially funded by the city in June, and all the other events got canceled, and ours stayed, and we were, like... And so we did this, like, 96-hour straight art installation in a house in Bonton, which was, like, to not only talk about his, like, Nigerian roots, but, like, what was going on with gentrification in the area, and we ended up having, like, some really like art collectors go by and like buy his work. And we had some people from the museums go by and I've worked with a lot of artists. I feel like he's like about to do some really big things, which is exciting because he reached out to us and was like, after reading about us, he was like, you are my agency, which is like, what makes me happy? Because I feel like, because it is a more like personal agency and brand, like if people see it and it's like really their thing, like they'll say things like that. Like, I feel like you're the publicist for me. And I think that's what's missing sometimes with like hiring an agency. There's no like human behind it sometimes. But he's amazing. And then I have this client who is now in California because she's in school, but her name's Tippi Ballady and she's a she was on the voice. She ended up leaving to focus on school, but she won like the Presidential Scholar Award and she's like She got into a songwriting program that like 12 people get into in California and she's amazing. She's like a young artist to watch for sure.
0: That's so cool. Where can they find you? They can find me
1: on Instagram, probably posting about clothes. (laughs) (laughs) It's uh, at Amber LaFrance or they can follow us at culture hype, which is at culture underscore hype. My email is literally like all over the internet. So I'm the easiest person to find because it's been in press releases for so long. So whoever is interested can also just
0: email me if they want. Awesome. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. All right, guys, that is it for today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed. I love you all so, so much. Don't forget to follow the Instagram. Don't forget to go enter the giveaway. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave a nice review if you guys are feeling it. I love you guys so much and I will talk to you next week.